Welcome everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, it's a privilege to worship with you today. Open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, it's in the Old Testament. It's past Isaiah and Jeremiah and Lamentations. So sort of start there and work your way forward. Ezekiel 33 and James chapter 1. Can I, can I put two scriptures in front of you? Ezekiel 33 James in the New Testament chapter 1. Uh, get those ready. In the overflow, welcome to you all. First day, uh, worshiping under the leadership of Paul Sandlin back there. Uh, Paul, God bless you and all of you back there. Open your Bibles. Worship with us. Church on the Square, Perry, Oklahoma, we love you. Uh, we uh, are delighted to be connected with you as well. I'm in the middle of a, of a message series. Actually, I'm concluding today entitled Living Word. We've been looking at the doctrine of Scripture. I've tried to communicate uh, to you an idea of what scripture is and, and where it comes from and what it means to us. Scripture is God's word in human words, to, to, to put it plainly, God's word in human uh, written words. It, its purpose is not information, it's transformation. It, it's not about learning more, it, it's about seeing Christ and coming to salvation in him and then imitating him by, by the light of, of his word. It's about salvation but it's also about transformation. The word is to save us, but also to change us. And, and honestly, that's where we get hung up right there. Many of us want to be saved. We just don't really want to be changed. And that is exactly why we struggle in our reading of the Bible. We're saved, but we don't want to, to, to be changed. I grew up here in Woodburn. I had a neighbor named Mike Wilkerson. Some of you may remember Mike. He's, he's, he's gone on with the Lord now. He used to call him Julio. And uh, Julio was on the volunteer fire department for Woodburn uh, for a while, uh, which is funny, too. Uh, but anyway, Julio was in bed with his wife, Debbie, one night, and, and the alarm went off, and, and Julio just jumps out of bed and puts all of his gear on. He's trying to move extra fast because he wants to run across the field, and uh, he wants to ride to the fire department with, with John Vance. That's his father-in-law, John Vance. So there's a field between them. And so Julio, uh, here's the alarm, he jumps up, he throws his pants on, he, he busts out the door and he's tearing across that field and Debbie's just laying there in bed. In a minute, Julio comes back in real slow and just lays down in bed going, oh. Debbie said, honey, what happened? He said, you remember that big post in the field between our house and daddy's house? I forgot it. <laughs> he said, Julio said, he says, turn out across that field. And he said, he hit that post. And then Julio said, and that post didn't budge. Yeah, that post didn't budge. Debbie said that Mike had a purple stripe down his entire body for months after that big bruise. It, it hurt. But, but I love what he said. I hit that post and it did not budge. Uh, it, it, it's still there. That post did not budge. And honestly, God's word is like that for most of us most of the time. When we open God's word, there's a collision. There's a collision between the person that I am and the person that God instructs me to be. And let me tell you something. When you collide with God's word, it's not going to budge. It's not going to budge. God's word is not going to change to accommodate you. But if you are going to walk with Christ... You must change to accommodate God's word. And this is where we are this morning. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30. And then we're going to flip back to James chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. 
Ezekiel 33, verse 30. Son of man, your people talk about you in their houses and whisper about you at the doors. They say to each other, come on, let's go hear the prophet tell us what the Lord is saying. So my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek only after money. You're very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs with a beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. But when all these terrible things happen to them, as they certainly will, then they will know a prophet has been among them. Then turn back to James chapter 1, verse 22. Same idea. James 1, 22. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for, say the word, doing it. God will bless you for doing the word. Take your seats. Anybody ever see the movie The Notebook? Hands up. This came out in like 2004. Is that anybody's favorite movie? Yeah, favorite movie? Okay, let's do this. Any men in, in the room, it's your favorite movie. Yeah, <laughs> hands up. Okay, let's keep these guys away from each other. Keep those guys separated. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting movie. It, it starts out, there, there's an older man who, who comes up beside an older woman, uh, obviously in some sort of nursing home. And he has a notebook, and he begins to read her a story. Now, at the beginning of the movie, by all appearances, these two don't know each other. The the woman is there, and she seems to relate to the man as if he's a stranger. The man is is being called by the name Duke. But, but, But Duke sits down with the story, and he just starts reading to this woman, this woman who apparently has Alzheimer's of some kind. Starts reading a story, and it's a very romantic story. It, it, it's a really beautiful love story. Starts out with, with a couple, and again, there's a couple in a nursing home. He's reading a story to her. You've got to be able to bounce back and forth between the two time periods. He's reading the story about a man who, whose name is Noah who meets a woman. Her name is Allie, and they meet in, I think, 1940 at a carnival. There's a Ferris wheel. They fall in love that summer. There's an old house and a piano and a promise. And then there are her parents who don't like the relationship, so they forbid it. So, so Allie and Noah break up and they move on with their lives. Okay? This is the story that the old man is reading to the old woman in the nursing home. And, and again, to her, it's just a story. She, she doesn't have any sort of memory of, of, of anything. So back to the story that there's, there's World War II, uh, there is another man, there's a, a wedding dress, uh, and, and then uh, there, is, um, there are 365 hidden love letters, and then there is uh, a, a boat ride and a thunderstorm, 
And then there's this moment where Allie, the, the girl in the story, has to make a choice between the other guy and, and the guy named Noah. And in that point in the notebook, at that point in the story, when, when Duke is reading to the woman in the nursing home, it's in that moment that she remembers. She remembers, and she says, that's us. That's me. That's us. And truly, the man reading the story was Noah, and she's Allie, and she doesn't remember anything about her life. But when she reads, when he reads to her her own story, suddenly she remembers, that's me. That's us. It's a good movie. It's a pretty good movie. But what I need you to understand, what you have to understand, is that something like that must happen when you read the Bible. You understand? Something like that has to happen when you read the Bible. In other words, when you begin to read the story of the Bible, at some point in your life, you've got to say, that's my story. It's talking about me. That's me. You see, when James says that reading the Bible is like looking into a mirror, this is what he's saying. This is your story. We're talking about you. Do you understand? When, when you open the Bible and start to read, you're going to read the story of, of Adam and Eve, and it's a very important story. But the most important thing about the story of Adam and Eve is that's your story. That's your story. You've got to understand that you have fallen uh, before the lies of the tempter, and you have fallen away from God, and you're now separated from him. That's your story. It happened to Adam and Eve, but it's happened to you too. That's me. I'm there. This is how you read the Bible. You get to the place where Cain and Abel are making their sacrifices and God is pleased with one and not pleased with the other. And you've got to be able to say, I- I've been there. I-, I know what that is. That, that happens to me. I-, I know what it is to not be able to please God. You read the story of Noah there, Noah, faithful to God, and the whole world gone crazy. And and then God gives to Noah an impossible command, an impossible mission, build a boat. And and Noah steps out in faith and obeys God. And you read that story, and you should say, "I, I know what that is. That's me. I'm trying to be faithful in a world that's gone crazy. And God asks me to do things I, I don't understand. That's my story. Abraham who's called a a friend of God. And and God says, Abraham, I want you to leave everything. Leave your home, leave your family, and go to a place that that, that you won't know, but I'll show you. That's me, that's you. We're there. Because God is always calling us to love him more than family and love him more than home and love him more than everything we know and step out in faith toward a future we don't know. That's me, that's my story. Do you understand how this works? You are Esther. You're beautiful and brave and created for a particular moment and a particular purpose. And suddenly, all the dots are connected and she understands what her life means. That's your story. You're not that beautiful or brave, but it's still your story. Do you understand? It's your story. You're Ruth, desperate, with nobody to depend on except the Lord himself. And so you throw yourself out upon his mercy. That's your story. You're the psalmist who worships God in his presence one moment, and in the next minute it's complaining, God, where are you? I mean, that's me. That's my heart. It's my story. 
I'm, I'm Matthew in the middle of my daily work when Jesus suddenly stands before me and says, follow me. That's my story. It's my story. Do you understand? You don't just sit and read the Bible as some dead words on a page. This is God's word. It's God's word, and the purpose is to point you to Jesus. And you're going to see Jesus when you read the Bible correctly. But, but, but beyond that, as Jesus reveals himself to you, he's going to show you some very important things about yourself. It's going to be like looking in a mirror. When you're reading the Bible and you're reading it as you should, suddenly you realize, I'm there. This is my story. It's talking about me. It's talking to me. Which brings us to uh, Ezekiel's congregation back in Ezekiel chapter 33. Brother Zeke on the one hand, is a very successful minister at this point in his career. He's a good prophet. He's at the point now where he draws a big crowd every time he preaches. He draws a giant crowd, and there's a lot of buzz about him, and it's positive buzz. People talk about Brother Zeke and the messages that he brings. He's extremely, extremely easy to listen to, and people love him for that. He'll have you laughing one minute and crying the next. I mean, he's that kind of prophet, and everybody's beginning to love him. Everybody loves him. When Brother Zeke preaches, the, the, the house just fills up with people and everybody listens and nobody sleeps and everybody nods and people say amen. I mean, read the scripture. This is what it says. The people just pile in there and they download the podcast and, and they take notes while he preaches. And on Monday, they go to work and they talk about what they heard at church. I mean, if you look at it from, from an outside perspective, that looks like success. It looks like Brother Brother Zeke has an amazing prophetic ministry. I mean, what else could you ask for? Well, one day, in the quiet of the prophet's study, God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, let me tell you something about, about the people that you preach to. They show up like they're going to listen. But they have no intention of doing what you say. Sermon after sermon after sermon, nothing ever changes. What's the disconnect? There's something contradictory here, and God is pointing it out to the, to the prophet in this passage. There, there's a disconnect. My people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words. They have no intention of doing what you say. You're very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs on the radio or like someone who plays fine music. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. For some of you, this should be one of those moments where you say, it's talking about me. I, I just am being honest. For, for many of us, this should be one of those moments when the word of God is like a mirror and suddenly you see your true face. 
Because let's be real honest. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, some of you hear God's word. You file into this place and you pack these pews and you smile and you sing and you say amen and you take notes and you stand when we read scripture and you sit back down and you talk about on, on Monday and you download the podcast, but, but you have no intention of doing what the word says. Nothing ever changes about you. Nothing ever changes about your life. You listen to sermons and you rate them during lunch or with your family later. Today was a good day. Today, Brother Tim was off. But you understand that's never the point. It's not the point how well the preacher preaches. The point is how well the listeners listen. And the true measure of listening is not whether or not you hear, but whether or not you do what the word says. It's obedience. The whole point in reading the Bible, the point of God's word, is that you obey what you hear. It is looking at your face in a mirror. Turn with me to the book of James. Turn back there to that passage, James chapter 1. If you listen to the word and don't obey, if you listen and don't obey, it's like, it's like, Taking a glance at your face in a mirror, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. It's about obedience. Do you understand? It's about obedience. It doesn't matter what you believe about the Bible or what you say about the Bible. What matters is that you obey the Bible. You obey the Bible. It's God's word and humans' words. And that means that the authority behind this book is God's authority. It's not going to change. It's not going to budge. It's not going to change the rules to accommodate the complexity of your life. Do you understand? You read the Bible. It's going to contradict you. God's word, God's plan is always going to be contrary to what you really want in the flesh. But some of us have a terrible tendency, a horrible tendency just not to listen to the parts of the Bible that we don't want to obey. It's about obedience. You understand? It's all about obedience. If you're not obeying, you're fooling yourself. That's what the Bible says. You're fooling yourself. Fooling yourself. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, the King James says. You're fooling yourself. What does that mean? How does that work? Well, I I think you know how it works. You have a habit of coming to church, and it's a good habit. It's the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. This habit of coming to church and then a habit of listening to sermons. And some of you have trained yourself to stay awake. God bless you. You've trained yourself to keep your eyes open. And some of you even trained yourself to bring your Bible and actually turn to the passage that the preacher's reading. And God bless you for that. You, you turn and, and, and you look at it. And then you read along. And some of you have been at this for years. And now you actually know a whole lot of the Bible. When I say Ezekiel, you can flip and you're there, baby. I mean, you've mastered the Bible. You, you've mastered it. You don't even have to look at the table of contents to find Nahum. You can be right there, baby. You're getting good at this. You've you've mastered the Bible. Some of you can even quote verses. I turn to a passage and you think to yourself, oh, I know that story. I I, I know that story. I've read that before. Here's the thing. 
you have all of this exposure to the Bible. You've read so much of it. You've heard so much of it now. You've heard so many sermons that, that by this point, you have so much knowledge. You have so much knowledge in your head that, that you can even now, you can listen to a sermon and you can start picking a, you can pick apart the points that you don't think measure up with what you know from Scripture. You're really getting that good. Your knowledge has brought you to that level. And so with all of this knowledge, with all of this exposure, with your mastery of Scripture, you begin actually thinking that perhaps you're walking with the Lord. I mean, you're just so smart, and you've been around it so much, and you've mastered the Bible to the point where you actually begin to think that you're making some sort of progress in faith. And James would say, You've deceived yourself. You're fooling yourself. Knowing the Bible, being wise, having knowledge really is not the point. It's not information. Listening is not life change. Salvation is life change. And when you read God's word, it brings change. If it's not promoting change in your life, you're not reading it correctly. If you're reading the Word of God is not answered by doing the Word of God, there is something profoundly, profoundly broken in your relationship with Scripture. The point is obedience. The point is obedience. It's not how well you listen to what the preacher says on Sunday. It's how closely your life conforms to God's Word on Monday. The point is obedience. People tell me all the time, Brother Tim, I don't hear from God. I just have a really difficult time listening for God's voice. I'm not sure he talks to me. I, I hear that a lot, and I'm very sympathetic to that struggle. I, I really am. I really am. But, but with all the love in my heart, l listen to me. My hunch is your problem is not listening. Your problem is in doing. It's not so much that you don't hear what God says, you don't do what he says. And, and that's an altogether different thing, and it's a harder truth to face. It's a whole lot easier to blame God. Because if I can say that the disconnection is that God's not talking to me, then that lets me be off the hook. I can live any way I want because I don't know, because I don't hear God's voice. Do you understand the self-deception in that? It's a very different thing perhaps to recognize that God's speaking. He's always speaking. His word is ever before you. It's there and it does not change. And I'm telling you, he's got you on every page. It's got a message for you on every page. Don't say God's not speaking to you. Just not interested in doing what he said. If you say God's not talking to you right now, well, I, I just... I suggest this to you. What's, what's the last thing that God ever said to you? Or, or what's the last thing that you knew God wanted you to do? Go back and do that. You understand? O obedience is the way you move forward in faith. If you feel like God's quit talking, well, go back to when you were hearing his voice. Go back to the last thing you understood that he expected of you from the Bible, and then you do that. Go back and obey, and you'll be surprised. Be surprised. How obedience leads you forward in faith. 
You'd be surprised how obedience begins to, to connect you to the God who's speaking in his word. But it doesn't work if you don't read it. And it doesn't work if you read it and then don't do it. The whole point's obedience. It's really not complicated. There's a dad named Dave who was very, very frustrated with his relationship with his teenager. Because he felt like every time he walked in his room, his teenager just clammed up. Felt like every time he walked in his room, his teenage son just clammed up. And it bothered him, really bothered him. And he prayed about it. God, help me reach my teenager. Help me understand what's wrong with my son. I just want to have a relationship with him before he's gone. And then one day Dave was reading the Bible and he got to that place where it says, Father's don't exasperate your children. Don't, don't nag and berate your children to the point where, where they become wrathful. But, but, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And suddenly Dave understood, that's, that's talking to me. I'm that father. That's me. When the Bible says fathers don't exasperate your children, that's what I do. Dave began uh, under the light of the word of God to look at his relationship with his son and he realized that he was a broken record, that, that the dad was a broken record, always on his son, always saying you've got to be more responsible with your money. You're going to have to buckle down in school if you're ever going to go to college. Where have you been? You're 10 minutes late. Are you really going to wear that to church? And on and on and on. And Dave saw himself in Scripture. So he said, okay, Lord, okay, for 10 days, 10 days, I'm not going to say anything negative to my son. 10 days, I'm not going to say anything negative to my son. Guess what? Within 10 days, father and son were talking again. And within 10 days, the son began asking the father for advice. I'm telling you, God's word works every time it's put into practice. Every time it's put into practice. There was a college student who got a job, a night job at the local hospital. But she had a lot of studies, and she figured this was a great job because she could do her work really, really fast, and she did. She would fly through those hospital rooms, doing her work as quick as she could. Then she would go to the break room and sit two or three hours and do her homework. She would sit two or three hours and do homework. One day she was reading her Bible and she got to a verse that said, whatever you do, do it with all of your might, with all of your might to bring glory to God, as if you're working for God and not people. She read that passage and she realized, that's me. That's me. I'm working for the hospital but I'm doing a horrible job. I fly through, I, I, I don't give them anything, and then I sneak off, and, and I'm not even working. God, help me. God, forgive me. And, and she changed the way she went to work. It's, it's everyday life, friends. It, it's the Christian life. It's the life of anybody who's seriously going to read God's word. You read it. You're going to collide with it, but then you have to change. You have to change. It's not going to budge for you. 
It's not going to bend around your life. It's not going to change in order to accommodate you. And if you just hear the word of God or or just read the word of God, but you never have any intention of doing it, you're fooling yourself. And if you think for that matter that that's what God requires of you, you're, you're painfully misinformed. God requires obedience. The whole point of Scripture is to save us and to change us. And if you're not interested in changing, then you can't be saved. Do you understand? Listening is not the same as life change. And God gives us his word to change our lives. So when the sermon is over, your goal, your aim is not just to be able to say nice sermon or or great sermon or that was a good one or I'm glad that's over. Whenever you hear God's word, the point is to be able to say, that's about me. That that word is to me. I I have heard God speak and, and now I've got to do something. If you've heard God's word today, now you have to do something. Pray with me. God, help us. We hear so much of your word, and we do so little of it. Some of us, Lord, have a lot of biblical knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, the scripture says. Knowledge puffs up. The point of your word, Lord, is not simply to give us knowledge, but to correct us when we're doing wrong and show us how to do right. When we read your word, Lord, we we look for Jesus, and at the same time we see a reflection of our own true face, the sinners that we are. Lord, I pray that when we see the picture of our face in Scripture, Lord, that we continue to listen and obey until the face we see begins to look more like the face of Christ. Jesus, help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in Jesus' name, but for our sakes. Amen.